Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we're talking the big news from the Game Awards. What familiar names could be in a new Star Wars universe? Our holiday gift guide for board games. And is Quentin Tarantino boldly going where he's never gone before? All this and more as we once again delve into the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. I said it real quickly, Josh, because uh, I was listening the other day to to podcasters that uh, really enjoy listening to podcasts on a higher speed and so i thought i would go to one of our networks and listen to one of ours on on a higher speed so i listened to it at 1.5 1.6 and i really sounded like this i really got to go it's gonna be a great show i have a great episode it's like how do they do that Mui props to all those individuals out there who play this episode and other podcasts out there at a higher speed because I'll tell you what i tried and Man, I sound really weird. But it's definitely going to be another great episode indeed. I'm here along with my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanican Media. And you definitely want to check out all the great stuff he's got going on on the Humanican Media channels on Podbean, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. It's Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? Hey, man. Yeah, not much. Just... uh editing podcasts, doing all that good stuff, doing some Topicocalypse last night. So plenty of content coming down the old pipeline. You did not sound so bad at 1.5 and 1.6 speed. I just want to tell you that right now. I sounded like a chipmunk. That's all I can say. It's definitely going to be another great show. We've got a lot lined up for you today. We've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire once again. Plus, also as well, we have Salvador Villa from Mario Party Wars giving everyone his thoughts on the best holiday gift ideas in the realm of board games. And also at the back end of the show, after our show is over, we've got a special fantasy football playoff preview from our good friend from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. It's Tyler Baker. He's going to be coming up on the back end after this show ends with a special, special, special preview indeed but before we hit our first topic i just want to mention again until 12 14 you have a chance to vote for the pop culture cosmos show as part of the 2017 discover pods awards we have been named a finalist one of the nominees in the 
Best Society and Culture podcast, and we are truly honored and humbled to be a part of that outstanding group of nominees that's within that category. So if you get a chance, go to discoverpods.com. They've got a link right there for the 2017 Discover Pods Awards. You want to go to page two after you make a couple selections, or if you want to select on all the categories, they've got lots of great podcasts to choose from in several different categories. We're on page two in the society and culture category. So if you get a chance and vote for us for the best society and culture podcast, we truly appreciate it. Once again, that's discoverpods.com, discoverpods.com. So Josh, first off, what just happened very recently was the Game Awards. Basically a celebration of the video game culture and video game lifestyle. And a lot of great news came out of it. One thing I wanted to ask you as we were leading up to the days of the Game Awards was since it had been taken off or was not able to be renewed on Spike Television and is now just broadcast virtually through internet options only, wanted to ask you as far as your thoughts on the Game Awards itself, is it still relevant and is, is it still proven to be something that people are still having or wanting to turn to if they are big fans of video games. It's even more relevant now than it was before, I think, because, you know, ever since it, it they stopped showing it on TV and they started showing it on, on the internet, there are now so many more places on the internet where you can watch these types of things. You watch E3, you can watch, you know, these uh, Microsoft and Nintendo Direct conferences and all this stuff. PlayStation Experience coming up. PlayStation Experience. There's so many other places. Like, look at, you can do it on Twitch, YouTube, GameSpot, IGN. Like, there's so many bigger places that you can watch these things. And what's even better is that you can watch them in a community with like-minded gamers that where you could sit there and actually talk to each other. That They didn't offer that on TV. You couldn't really get, you know, unless you went onto like a Reddit board or something, but they didn't have a T on, when it's on Spike TV, all you do is really watch it and you're stuck with their commentary. But now you can go to the publication of your choice of people you like listening to even if it's like on a podcast like giant bomb or kind of funny or something and you can listen to them talk about it as the conference is streaming so i think the internet kind of uh if anything made it more accessible for gamers well i t will tell you this in the waning years of the game awards when it was called uh, the vgas on spike television it's kind of was losing its luster uh, as far as a presentation is concerned there were less and less important news or important outcomes to be had on it. And it kind of got out of hand with certain individual comedians and certain that was just kind of getting kind of losing its luster within the industry and also kind of losing its luster from gamers who, who were kind of tuning out on the actual event itself. But I, I, I agree with you now that it's just an internet only or predominantly internet based function that will still emanates through, like you said, Polygon, IGN, GameSpot, Twitch, YouTube, so many other outlets that you can now catch it on there. It is now gearing itself back towards the gaming industry and also the gaming fans and providing them with definitely something that is very interesting. And there's still lots of support that the Game Awards has just based off the news that was translated this evening with all the great trailers and all the great news items that were made. And some of those we'll just recap here for you. And uh, Josh, I want to hear your thoughts on some of these. 
We had another Death Stranding video, which I know you took a look at also as well, a World War Z game based off of the film adaptation. Also, Soul Calibur VI was announced, a new game coming from From Software, the makers of Bloodborne and Dark Souls. Fortnite just released for a limited time a new 50 on 50 mode. And that's something I might actually check out because that definitely sounds like a lot of fun there. They've had great success with their Battle Royale being something that's like a Pepsi to the PUBG's Coke, for instance. Also as well, they had uh, announced Zelda Breath of the Wild. They had a DLC that just dropped as it was being announced on the Game Awards. And also, Sea of Thieves gets a release date in spring 2018. So I ask you, Josh, of those or any of the other announcements that were made, plus also a new Tomb Raider is now in development, which we pretty much figured that was going to happen anyways. What are some of the things that stuck out to you with the announcements that were made at this week's Game Awards? I'm excited to finally get a release date for Sea of Thieves. You know, we've seen it three E3s now, and you know, it's it looks like a massive game. People have been playing it. The feedback has been mostly positive, but they haven't given us a release date yet. So it's been, you know, it's been one of those things where we've been wondering, is this going to are we gonna see this anytime soon, or is it gonna come out on the next generation of consoles, whenever that may be, or what's the deal with this thing? So now they finally give us a release date of I think it was March. March 20th, it's going to be coming out to PC and Xbox One. Then that's exciting. And it's also really cool that Nintendo decided to take the conference by storm by not only announcing a um, Bayonetta 3 for the Switch and then giving us more footage of Metro Exodus, but also releasing Legend of Zelda, the expansion, that day. Like, that was really cool. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but... Nintendo definitely knows how to get the attention of the crowd. And Bayonetta 3 was announced as a Nintendo Switch exclusive. Plus also as well, they announced that Bayonetta 1 and 2, a bundle, will actually be coming to the Nintendo Switch, I believe in mid-February, if I'm not mistaken. I do hope for Bayonetta 3, it is much better supported and much more endearing two gamers than Bayonetta 2 was, which was very highly rated, but not very highly supported on the Wii U. Well, I also liked that Bethesda actually understanding what's going on with the trends in the game industry made pretty much a public plea and a public drive to gamers asking them in the future going forward to help support single player narrative games. That, to me, was really very moving, very touching, and very poignant, knowing what other companies are leaning towards to in the not-too-distant future, well, actually, leaning towards to, period, as far as within the gaming industry with microtransactions, loot boxes, and, and consumer spending options, as far as that is concerned. Bethesda is still showing that they can do very well with a single-player narrative, whether it's an open world or not. I was kind of worried seeing the numbers originally that Wolfenstein 2 The New Blood was not performing as well as expected in the beginning, but to see it perform at a extremely high level during Black Friday was very pleasing to me that people are reinforcing the fact that a good single-player narrative can make money in the gaming industry and Bethesda's belief to stand behind it for the foreseeable future, and also other gaming 
entities out there that just don't want to go with the trends that are followed by right now by EA, Activision, and 2K. But the Game Awards was not just about the announcements and the trailers and all the the great things that that was said and done during the presentation itself, but there's also the Game Awards itself. And I'll tell you what, the big winners obviously was Zelda Breath of the Wild winning for Game of the Year and also Best Independent Game was Cuphead. Although, Josh, can you now make Cuphead an independent game since it's really gotten very much involved with the Xbox One process. Can you can you still say it's a, a really, truly great independent game? I guess you can on a technicality, but definitely a Cuphead winning that was not too much of a surprise. Also as well, best action game was Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. So there's a lot of belief in that game doing very well going forward. What are your thoughts on some of those games, plus also as well some of the award winners at this year's Game Awards? As for Cuphead, I I think that it's started out as an indie game, but then it kind of moved into the realm of not being an indie game, and that's kind of it, it, we have the same problem with the uh, like movies. You know, you have movies who claim to be indie films, but they're just made by subsidiaries of like Fox, and you know, you have like Fox Searchlight and stuff like that. So. Well, we kind of knew Super Mario was going to take something home, but it's weird because it hasn't been out that long. You know, it already won an award. Um, I had heard mixed things about the Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Like, I heard it was fun, but I heard it was very difficult. You know, I'm glad to see Forza won over Gran Turismo. As far as esports go, Overwatch was, that was kind of, you know, global uh, Counter-Strike, Dota, League of Legends, Rocket League. Like, it was kind of a no-brainer who was going to win that one. Uh, just because Overwatch has such a massive following. I like to see that Hellblade won something in Ninja Theory. Ninja Theory deserves this. I don't know if you read this, but people have been calling them out saying that, hey, you're doing this for attention. And just to prove them wrong, they actually have donated, I think, more than half of their profits from Hellblade to uh, mental health foundations. So that was really, really cool to see that happen. Definitely. And as you pointed out, earlier this year with your thoughts on the game itself, plus also your streams that you showed on the Humanican Media channel. And like I said, the review that you left for it on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, you thought very highly of the game and what it represents for mental health. Yeah, it was great. Like it kind of covered a, uh, a wide range of mental health topics, but it was cool to see how they handled it, how they got professionals involved. You know, it wasn't the train wreck that 13 Reasons Why was, which you also know my thoughts on. As for Game of the Year, we knew that Legend of Zelda was going to take some kind of award away from this. You know, it's cool to see Horizon Zero Dawn up there, but it just didn't get as talked about as Legend of Zelda. Anytime you hear someone talk about they say how great it is. You listen to people on podcasts like, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and people have been saying like, hey, this is my pick for game of the year. And Legend of Zelda is the one game that's been mentioned more than any other game. And it was it's this is the first time I've seen a game of the year that actually deserves to be called game of the year. Well, that's definitely uh, some great thoughts. Indeed, some outstanding games were picked. But for me, the biggest thing I'm going to take away from the Game Awards is that the Game Awards itself is still very much relevant. There were some hard times for it in years past. I thought there were some years that I think they should just pack it in and call it a day and leave it for the 15,000 other cons and 
experiences and expos that actually can do a somewhat better job at times of promoting products to the fans. But this year's The Game Awards has proven to me that there is still life in this concept, especially because of the fact it piggybacks off of the PlayStation experience year in, year out. So definitely there is some signs that The Game Awards is still something viable within the industry, that it's still got support in and out of the industry, and that it's still supported by fans, and that it will still be something worthwhile for years to come. What are your thoughts on the Game Awards? Did you like the show itself? Do you think it's still very much relevant? Do you think it needs to be gotten rid of? And what did you think about the award winners at the Game Awards this week? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Game Source, and Humanica Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, we've got a great program coming up for you, including the Cosmic Crossfire with Rob McCallum. He's standing by right after the break. Plus, later on in the episode, we've got Salvador Villa from Mario Party Wars sharing his thoughts on great holiday gifts in the realm of board gaming. We're also going to be talking whatever's going on between Amazon and Google and Apple and that like battle royale that they're all fighting each other and and it, and one's going here, one's going there, what's being taken out, what's being – and it's, it's all confusing to everybody out there as they're trying to go ahead and utilize their streaming devices, whether it's a Fire, Apple TV, what have you. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as well as what's going on with Star Trek. Could it be getting a shot of some Tarantino? We're going to share our thoughts on that and even more as we come back. This is the PCC Multiverse. Hey y'all, Jen and Lindsay here from Corpus Delicti Podcast, here to tell you to check out our show. If true crime is your thing, it's ours too, with a touch of lightheartedness and a dash of southern charm. We cover compelling cases and crack them open for you. Serial killers, hitmen, historical hallmarks, we've got it all and bring you new episodes every Tuesday morning. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and most other podcast apps. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter too. That's C-O-R-P-U-S-D-E. L-I-C-T-I. See you Tuesday. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Didn't you say something before we went on the air about my Yeah, pop- you, you keep saying the title of the show like that. You're going to cost us nominations for future awards. We barely made the last one. Scuttlebutt around the internet is, it was between us and somebody else, and they said their name of their show, just a little bit worse, a little bit more irritating, a little bit more game showy. And it's like, okay, we got to give it to these guys. It's not quite as bad as this other one. Wow, I, I appreciate that. This was called the, the Pop Culture Roundup, and they kept doing like a rodeo thing, like, come on down to the Pop Culture Roundup, yeehaw, rounding it all up. We are up against the Pop Culture Leftovers. They're actually uh, in two categories, and I wish them all the best uh, as far as that's concerned. So any any good pop culture co- podcast that get nominated and uh, actually go out and win, uh, all more power to them. But we're here talking some great stuff right now from the man with the legend behind 
robmccallumfilms.com. You want to check out all of his great projects, provided he's able and up and... And holy know, crap, I did an update on the website and cleaned it up a bit. Oh my gosh, that's, that's incredible. See what happens when you drink so much Theraflu? So Tell you're you in the making, like, one year and three Theraflus later. Yes, yes. I do apologize for the, uh, the sound of my, my voice to all our listeners out there. I'm a little bit under the weather. The sniffle bugs have infested my brain. But he's gotten it out for us right here in the Cosmic Crossfire, and we truly appreciate it. Once again, check out all the great stuff that's going on, including the Kitty documentary, already how you can watch and or buy Nintendo Quest, Nintendo Quest Power Tour, that's Missing Nintendo Mom. Quest news, and I actually have Kitty news, too, I can share, too. All right. Well, well please share with it. Share away. Well, regarding Nintendo Quest and the Nintendo Quest Power Tour, the series sequel to Nintendo Quest, uh, I just got uh, news that it's going to be uh, shown in Africa now. So uh, we're just looking to get a really good deal in Asia, and then we can officially say it's been sold in every major market. That's awesome to hear. Just, I, I cannot congratulate you enough on your success with the film. Once again, you got to check it out, Nintendo Quest. It's just a truly, truly awesome adventure indeed. And then also as well, if you get a chance, Nintendo Quest Power Tour, which is their adventures as they present the film all over the country. And it just basically just documents that entire quest. So check it out, Nintendo Quest and Nintendo Quest Power Tour. Might have someone else in there too. You might hear your voice pop up at at least episode two. Yes, yes. Might have some on-screen camera time for uh, Gerald there. Yes, my voice is so loud it didn't even need a mic. We won't go there, but <laughs> check it out, robmccallumfilms.com. But right now, Rob, we've got a lot of great pop culture things to talk about. Let's get to it. So, Rob, what is on your mind today? Well, actually, besides uh, Kleenex and Theraflu and all that good stuff. But So what, pray tell, is on your mind in pop culture? Well, David Goyer made headlines recently as he is set to direct the new live-action Masters of the Universe film for Sony. Now, Masters of the Universe, of course, is the world of He-Man, and if you've heard our show before, then you know how much of a fan I am of, of everything He-Man and Masters of the Universe, and that you know that I am a co-director and writer on a documentary that will be released next year called Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe that looks back at the origins of the franchise and its evolutions through the years. Now, David Goyer is the latest director to be tied to it. John Chu was on it as well, and so was McGee at one point. David Goyer is known for directing The Unborn and Blade Three. much more known for a writer. He has writing credits on uh, some of the Dark Knight trilogy films, Batman Begins most notably. So he's not exactly a massive A-lister for it, especially in terms of directing, but it is nice to see that that project is moving forward. My question to you, Gerald, is what are the problems with a live-action Masters of the Universe film going to be for Sony, given how long this film has been in development? It's been in development since 2005. Let me just say that. I can tell you, first off, Skeletor. Ever since the Geico commercials came out, it just reaffirmed my affection for the coolness of Skeletor and, and the way he actually is that scene-stealing, hammy villain that takes over the entire franchise, in my opinion. 
I think recreating him on screen, first of all, yes, you could recreate some with CG effects and whatnot and should be able to get away fine with it. But that one, to me, is going to be the hard one to, to recreate and get a great feel for that type of character. Or other side characters, Battle Cat, for instance, that might be a tough one as well. There are certain side characters that I think are best left in an animated version, whether they get left on the cutting room floor, that remains to be seen. But if they're brought into a live action version, I think that translation of how sometimes very humorous or very affable type of characters on both sides, because, you know, yeah, I have affection for characters on both sides of the realm. Oh no, Orko, man, you can get that guy's like scrappy dude to me. Flick him out of the way. But but you're probably referring to him in terms of leading some of the other characters to a more animated presence. Well, like Battle Cat, for instance. Uh-huh. You know, Tila, you know, obviously you could translate her into a live action performance, but... Well, they have before. Yeah, they have before, but it's, she came off very stale. And, and as far as very wooden, as far as comparative to her animated character, which seemed to have a lot more life to it. Same thing with Man at Arms. And like I said, Skeletor is, is the one for me that I think they're really going to have a hard time translating into live action. The, the hardest thing because I know a little bit something about this having made the documentary for them is that Masters of the Universe, for everybody that really doesn't know it, is essentially like trying to combine everything that is great about Star Wars and everything that is great about Lord of the Rings. It has, or The Matrix, in terms of what kind of technology gets showcased and used in everyday world, and then the sorcery of of Lord of the Rings. So it's like it's like sorcery in science fiction more or less which is a really hard balance to explain to people why high-tech stuff works on a certain level and then turn around and say no magic works on on that same level usually it's one or the other so that's a really hard blend top that off with having a main character who at some point is called he-man which isn't exactly the most adult sounding word it's kind of goofy right it's kind of silly it is over masculinized it's too macho and you know, in an era where there is a lot of people and critics, especially screaming for more gender diversity and, you know, putting more uh, women heroes on screen, look no further than Wonder Woman. Do we really need the complete opposite of, of that with He-Man coming on screen? It, uh, it, it's, it's a real hard balance. It's, it's a name that you can't take serious, and it's hard to pin an entire film around that. And I had read Justin Mark's script called Grayskull, and uh, having interviewed him for the documentary... He said, my goal was to only count on my hand the number of times that we ever heard He-Man throughout the 90 minutes because it was so silly. It was always about the chosen one, uh, looking for the sword of he. When is he going to come here? So he tried to play it off like that. I mean, a lot of people said the script was great. I didn't love it as, as a fan in particular. There was certainly a lot of characters that kind of made their way into it, but it was a very Batman Begins kind of kind of feel. And I think for something like Masters of the Universe to work now, you've got to go a slightly more lighthearted, comedic route, something along the lines of maybe Thor Ragnarok, not that I've seen it, but a Guardians of the Galaxy kind of vibe where the guy at the center can be this big, tough guy, but he's also got to kind of have a levity about everything that's going on. So I would definitely tell Sony to, to lean towards that side because I don't think a Game of Thrones version of Masters of the Universe is going to work. I don't think so either. I think it'll come off poorly. It did before in the past with Dolph Lundgren and and his performance in it and just everybody surrounding it. 
yes, everything is now a little bit better. You CG, performance-wise, green screening and all that, it makes it a little bit more palpable, but I still don't see it coming out in a favorable fashion. That's it for the, uh, the Cosmic Crossfire this week, though. There you go. Let us know what you think if you have thoughts on David Goyer directing live-action Masters Universe. Uh, you can send your thoughts into popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Rob McCallum Films on Facebook. And share your thoughts with us on what we talked about. Or if you have ideas for the Cosmic Crossfire, we'll go ahead and take a stab at it as well. Rob, I appreciate you getting it out today. I'll just drink up on that Theraflu. And, and keep voting out there, everyone. We truly need your help to, to keep voting Pop Culture Cosmos in the 2017 Discover Pods Awards. You can check that out on the Discover Pods website, discoverpods.com. If you get a chance, we truly appreciate you voting for our show. It's on page two, Best Society and Culture Podcast. Rob, I cannot thank you enough for your help in creating this awesome show that we do each and every week, twice a week to audiences out there. Just truly a pleasure talking to you on a regular basis and helping create the pop culture cosmos. In fact, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here as the pop culture cosmos right now. Is that on the record or off the record? That is on the record. I have my <laughs> eternal gratitude as far as being part of the pop culture cosmos. Hey listener, Dutch here from Voice from the Underground, the podcast. My co-host and I want to invite you to check out our little corner of the podcast verse. At Voice from the Underground, we talk about all the crazy happening around us and try to make a little bit of sense out of the nonsense with little to no results. If the idea of hearing three semi-intelligent, outspoken nerds talk about politics, social issues, current events, sports, movies, pretty much anything that we decide to talk about because, well, it's our show, appeals to you, grab your shovel and come on down to the underground and then consult a qualified psychotherapist. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, just not where you buy your weed. Boys from the underground. And we're back with the program. This is the PCC Multiverse. My name is Joe Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Josh, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. You got a lot of things in the fire there, like you were talking about earlier. What's going on with all the wonderful things at Humanica Media? Uh, it's actually a lot this week. So we got a new Inside Sports, and then we'll have a New topic eclipses will be dispersed throughout the week. We're trying. I'm just trying to catch up on everything before the new year hits. You're going to be hearing a new "What about this?" on Monday. That's the official release date. Which you know, it's been a while since we've heard from those guys. So, if you're one of the people who subscribe to that, be sure to reactivate your subscription. Yeah, and like as as far as that goes, we also got a new ghost toasters in the works right now. So it's been a been about a year and a couple months since we had the. Uh, episode three come out so we're finally going to sit down and finish this thing off so stay tuned and it's so funny because i still use those outros this is josh from ghost toasters and people are probably saying what the heck is ghost hey. toasters well now they'll know <laughs> exactly indeed but check out everything that's going on in humanican media on the humanican media youtube Podbean, and apple podcast channels you can find us on so many options just by typing in pop culture cosmos and we truly appreciate you doing so indeed Man, I tell you, 
Rian Johnson, ever since they announced the fact that a new trilogy is on the way for Star Wars, he has just been talking up a storm about that, along with his, obviously, The Last Jedi coming out real soon as well. So I ask you, Josh, he recently talked about doing some things within this new Star Wars universe, but bring some old friends from past Star Wars as well. So, Josh, who would you like to see within this new Star Wars realm? Yeah, I would like to see Mace Windu, but I feel like George Lucas already did a good job of killing him. Maybe he's still alive out there in the Star Wars universe, but George Lucas, like, painted him out to be this badass Jedi who just is could you know take anyone to fight. He's part of the Jedi Council and he they finally gave him a chance to like be there and get into the fight and then he gets thrown out a window. Like it just doesn't It was pretty much like developer from a video game nerfing a, a certain weapon, correct? Correct. Yeah. And it it was like it it was the most anticlimactic thing I've ever seen. So now like you know, if there's a proper way to revive Mace Windu's reputation, then, hey, I, I'm all ears. But, you know, the prequel trilogies have left such a bad taste in my mouth that I don't even care to see him come back. And as far as Jar Jar Binks goes, he... I, I'm, it's weird for me because I didn't think that he was that bad when I first watched episode one. But granted, I was like seven. When I watched it, I was not seven. So I actually <laughs> got, got the full gist of Jar Jar Binks. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, so he didn't bother me until everyone kept talking about how annoying he was. And then finally I sat down and watched the movie one night. And I'm like, all right, you know, he is he's pretty annoying. But I, I, the, from what I hear or what I've read about his place in the books, the, the Star Wars books, uh, he, he feels pretty bad about what he did because technically he's responsible for the rise of the Empire. He gave the powers to Chancellor uh, Palpatine. And that's what ultimately began the destruction of the Galactic Republic. So, I'm like, I'm slightly interested in a story that finds, like, where he is now and how he feels like a complete idiot for what he did. And, like, I'm, I'm curious what a story of a Jar Jar Binks redemption would look like. Well, remember, we talked, I don't know, maybe six, nine months ago on a podcast about, I believe, in one of the latest books of the Star Wars universe, the accepted Star Wars universe, that the heroes of the story had actually encountered Jar Jar Binks as something similar to a street clown, I think it was, and that he was very, like you said, very depressed about causing the rise of the Empire, so to speak, so... He's still alive somewhere, but I believe he, like you said, he was, he was in very much uh, a lot of despair regarding what had happened. So maybe reviving his character and trying to make it up turn into a positive, even though that is a very, very difficult task, is something Rian Johnson may look into. He said he he might be interested in doing it, so that's something there. Personally, I would be interested to see in the new solo movie how well Donald Glover does as Lando Calrissian. If he encompasses the charisma and enthusiasm that Billy D. Williams did in his take of Lando Calrissian, if he embodies that spirit, I definitely would love to see his character be a integral part of this new Star Wars trilogy if it takes place at a certain point in time within the Star Wars realm in a different area, whatnot. So I would love to see that part of it 
if Donald Glover does as well as I believe he will, because I think he's an extremely talented actor, and I really think he's going to be one of those superstars going forward. Definitely, if it all goes well in Solo, could definitely see him being utilized in a new Star Wars universe. What are your thoughts on the new Star Wars saga? Do you just want them to go full board, clean slate into a different aspect, different time, different part of the Star Wars galaxy and just deal with something altogether entirely new? Or do you still want to see every now and then some sprinkling in of something familiar that we have grown to love? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and Humanican Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. We've got Salvador Villa lined up to talk some great holiday gift ideas in board gaming. That's coming up right after the break. He's going to give his thoughts and also as well, what is Quentin Tarantino doing with Star Trek? As we come right back with the PCC Multiverse. Coming up right after the show, it's me, Tyler Baker, from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. It's the Fantasy Playoffs, and I'm going to help you win a championship this year. Wow, man, that's that's awesome. It's almost like I paid you for it. <laughs> Advice is always free. But wait a second. I don't even get paid myself. We are the Metal Geeks Podcast, and on this show, we have heavy metal, comic books, video games, Movies, theme parks, and more. Wait, wait, wait. Comics? Yep. And movies? Exactly. Video games? Yeah. Metal? Of course. How does theme parks fit in this? It just does. All of us Metal Geeks can be found at MetalGeeks.net. At Metal Geeks for Twitter. Metal Geeks on Instagram. And Metal Geeks on the Facey Space. You can also find us on iTunes. Subscribe today. Metal Geeks. And we're back with the show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Board games have come back strong. They're so varied and so many different categories that that reaches to a whole different demographic of people all over the place. Now, board gaming is now cool again. Who better to break down everything that's going on in the board gaming world and provide you with board gaming gift ideas than my good friend, he is the man with the legend behind Mario Party Wars. It's Salvador Villa. I was going to say just Sal because I always find <laughs> Sal and whatnot, but it's Salvador Villa. What's going on, my friend? Doing good, Gerald. How are you? Good, good, good. It is that magical time of the year. Great gift giving is, is abound. And I want to ask you, you are the man that knows tabletop gaming and board games to a T. So I ask you, what are some great ideas this year for board games? So I didn't necessarily want to put anything like classic base, like Monopoly or Jenga, because for the most part, you, those are always like good recommendations in general for you to buy to friends, family, your loved ones. And then uh, if there's so a pop culture theme that they like, there's usually probably a version of Monopoly in it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So this is mostly from personal experience that I've had of games I've tried out this year and I think games that I think people would really like. I guess I want to touch up first on like more strategic games. They're not the easiest to learn, but they're they're just a whole whole lot of fun. Two of them that I actually tried out this year. One of them I'm obsessed with now. And that's Scoville by uh Tasty Minstrel Games. And this game 
you actually are a chili farmer and basically you are trying to make the best chili recipes you're trying to cultivate the best chili peppers and you basically play on a board and use your different combination of chilies to try to make the best kind of uh, chili peppers you can find that will then allow you to make the best kind of recipes and overall those factors play into how many points you get and how much you're going to earn out of it it's a very unique concept uh, i've never heard of a game doing something like that where you just plant chilies and try to make the best kind of chili sauces and everything but that's probably one of the my most recommended strategic kind of games for this sounds kind of spicy to me <laughs> indeed <laughs> but I, I know you also got a lot of other great choices as well but i wanted to ask you Target in recent years has become a mainstay for tabletop gaming ideas for a general audience. But if someone wants to go for more of a specialized feel for games off the beaten path, like some, some of the ones that you may suggest that may not be covered by major department stores, where's the best idea and best places to go to purchase one of these games that you're recommending that may not be at a Target or a Walmart? So the first one would always that I would always suggest is go to your local tabletop store. Tabletop stores in general are popping up all over the place. It's become one of the new phenomenons specifically for the industry and for geek and nerd culture as a whole. And so I'm almost guaranteed no matter where you are, you're going to have a tabletop store somewhere within your city. And so my biggest suggestion, because it's the local tabletop stores that pretty much make this industry grow and happen. So. I would always go with those. They're always going to have a wide variety of different games. A lot of them you probably may have never heard of, or you may have heard of, but you just can never find them at like a Target or a Walmart. So that's definitely your best bet. My secondary suggestion would be BoardGameGeek.com. It's one of the largest, I guess, I don't really know what to call the website, but like it provides like information on games. It, it like the community um, constantly rates them and provides suggestions as well as feedback and other uh, documents for games. It has literally like one of the biggest tabletop databases. So there's that. And then they always have links to like where you can find the game, whether rented or used. They'll have links provided for you where you can actually get the best deals on those games. If per se, you don't have a local tabletop store within reach or within your city or if you want to send it to someone across the country or in another state or what have you. But there's more great ideas that you have. So what's cooking as far as great holiday gift ideas in tabletop gaming? So one of my favorite, I've never heard of this party game until like about a month ago, but I, I like want to pick it up like immediately now. Um, it's called Word Slam by Cosmos. And basically, I don't even know how to describe the concept, but you're on a set of two teams and each of you are given uh, like four separate decks that contain like one contains nouns, one contains adjectives, verbs, etc. And basically there's going to be one representative from each team that are going to be given a, a word, like an object or a place or something. And then using the cards uh, in front of you, you are going to try describing this word to your team. You're now the player who's trying to uh, describe the word cannot speak, cannot move his arms, cannot really do much. He just tries to get his team to guess the word. And it's a really fun uh, game for groups uh, just because of like how hectic and how entertaining the game gets because you'll get like really random words. Like one time I got 
moat. But there was like no way to really describe a moat because like castle wasn't in there and there wasn't really any words for it. So I tried to figure out the best way I could play around with it. I was just like cracking up because my team was having such a hard time guessing the word and even the other team was having a hard time. And it was just like so entertaining just trying to get them to figure it out, even though I couldn't speak or like tell them really like, hey, hey, you're getting closer to the word and some things like that. So. For sure, that's probably one of my most recommended games for like a large gathering of friends, family, or even people you just want to introduce like tabletop gaming to uh, as a whole. Word Slam by Cosmos. So what else you got, man? Yeah, so actually I've got a few games here that I actually already own. This is a game I would recommend if you like want to mess with your friends, but like in a playful manner. Voodoo by Mayday Games. And basically with this game, you're trying to get up to 10 points and you earn these points by casting curses on one another because you're basically all like voodoo masters. And every time you play a, uh, a curse on someone, which they're represented by cards, it tells them that they have to do something specific. So like I can play a curse on you and it probably force you to make a croak like from a frog, uh, whenever another curse is played. Or say you have to jump up up and down when um, a magic uh, blue card is played or something like that. And it's a really fun game because you're basically forcing one another to do like the most ridiculous things uh, while trying to be uh, get first. And you also want to make sure that they don't screw up because those curses are permanent half the time until you mess up or someone calls you out and then it goes away, but then they're going to cast something else on you anyways. So it's always like this really funny concept of just random things happening to you and you're forced to do them, but you're also doing it to your friends. Definitely like it's only for about to four players, but for like if you really just want to get together and like mess with your friends in a really random way, um, Voodoo by Mayday Games is is a recommended game that I would suggest. Sounds very good, and, and it looks like it would be an awesome time indeed, as long as you don't put a curse on me, man. <laughs> Duly noted. Any other titles that uh, you think might be a really solid gift this holiday season? So it's called Shiba Inu House by Renegade. This is probably a game more casually played, but due to the kind of like the frantic nature of how it's played, Essentially, if you have like friends that just love to like play around, um, I would recommend this game. It's by Renegade Studios, and basically, you're given a set of cards of like random Shiba Inu poses. Uh, like that's the main character in the for the game, and then you're all trying to compete against one another to make a specific Shiba Inu position on the house that it's standing on, or like of uh, just something random that it's posing as. And you use the cards that are around you. It's double sided, so you have to always look look back and forth and you're trying to make this shape by combining four cards that become the shape of the pose and basically it's a quick pace game because all the standings for second third fourth are on the field and so you want to be the first one to actually make it and then grab that first place or second place position for getting the uh, more points for it however you also want to make sure you don't screw up because if you don't screw up you're not going to get anything at all so you always got to be very careful, but you want to be quick at the same time. So it's one of those uh, like really simple games that like can be very competitive if you have those kind of friends. 
but it can also be really fun at the same time because it's it's such a quick paced game and you're like you're trying to look around like oh what does it look like this does it look like this oh what am i gonna do uh kind of thing and so yeah it's like a really simple game with a very frantic atmosphere that i think a lot of people will enjoy in a casual base setting and what title is that again or who's it from shiba inu house by renegade studios i think that one actually would be an excellent choice because of the fact like you said not only is it fast paced but it also as well is something that for those that don't want to have those extended tabletop experiences they're looking for something short that the the you know mm-hmm. a whole group can can have this sounds like something that might fit the bill so definitely uh, that's an excellent choice indeed yeah it doesn't take no more than 15 30 minutes per per game well, Sal, those are some great ideas this holiday season, and I can't wait to go ahead and not only check all those out, but so many other board gaming ideas that, that you've suggested over the year. And you can always check out on the Pop Culture Cosmos channels the episodes that you've appeared on over the course of the year and all your great suggestions indeed. Once again, that's Salvador Villa from Mario Party Wars. You want to check out his awesome group page, Mario Party Wars on Facebook, and you want to check out not only all the great things that they're doing here in the Las Vegas community, but their devotion to Mario Party uh, as a whole, geek culture, and also check out their awesome Twitch channel, Mario Party Wars on Twitch. Check out all their latest action when they run tournaments. They do also, during the week, they do streaming. They're a great community. They enjoy board games. They enjoy Mario Party, and they enjoy just having a great time indeed so (laughs) sal as always it's just truly a pleasure having you on the show providing all of these great holiday gift ideas and i hope you and everyone at mario party wars has truly a tremendous holiday season i appreciate the kind words gerald and uh the same to you as well once again salvador via from mario party wars check out their group page today on facebook and also their awesome Twitch channel. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop. Culture, Cosmos, and Game Source, we truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast. Google, for some reason, they got mad at Amazon, so they pulled YouTube this week off of Amazon devices. But we found out pretty much the same day and time that Amazon Prime just gone on to Apple TV devices. Could there be a correlation there that Google got mad at Amazon for Amazon going on Apple? Can you sort out this mess? And what's this going forward for people who love all these streaming services? It's very weird because I know that like Amazon... It cannot be coincidence, Matt. It just cannot be a coincidence. No, I don't think it is a coincidence. But 
all three of these services, so we have Google, Amazon, Apple, they all kind of are getting into the same markets now, and it's going to get to the point, kind of like it does with movie studios, where somebody is going to have to end up buying somebody else. So whether it's, uh, you know, Apple is going to absorb Amazon, or Amazon's going to absorb Apple, or someone buys Google, or, or whatever it is, there are three titans now competing for the same market. Because I know Amazon is actually like crushing everybody. You know, they what they purchased Whole Foods was that? Uh... Yes, they purchased Whole Foods. Right now, the Amazon CEO is the wealthiest man on the planet. But I will say this as a caveat: if rumors are true and Disney actually does buy Fox, the price ticket could be for even that property and also what they own as far as what they're willing to give up could cost about 40 billion dollars so amazon apple and google trying to buy each other out you know would be a lot pricier than that oh for sure well especially since amazon has so many assets not just things they sell but in services they offer like you have your your streaming service they stream movies and now they're getting into the uh, market of streaming music, which is something that both Apple and Google do with Google Play. And Apple Music is their streaming service. And we're reaching an inevitability here. And it, it's like an unstoppable force meeting in a movable object. Some, something's going to happen. And, uh, you know, there's so much money involved in this that I'm like, I'm seeing an implosion of some kind happen in the market. But it's not coincidence. Something is going down. I'm sure we'll hear about it soon. But at this point, it's when is the Trade Commission going to get involved and try to do a little damage control? But who who knows, man? Who knows? What are your thoughts on this? Well, like I said, it isn't coincidence what happened this week with YouTube leaving Amazon devices and Amazon Prime going on to Apple TV. These, like you said, are three major bohemists in the marketplace buying for the same space with customers and consumers over this fast-growing technology and streaming services and whatnot, and everybody changing over and cutting off their, their cable and all that. I just see at some point in time people having to make a decision on which one will come out on top. I see basically it's still just jumbled all over the place and the dust not settling for any time to come. And Rob McCallum, our good friend, that was just in the cosmic crossfire says it best when he believes that Apple still has something up its sleeve that it has not actually really gotten into a streaming service as of yet. And if it does, and it does full board, that could be really something that could blow the doors off of this entire streaming service. So look out for Apple. I think they're the dark horse in this situation as far as what the future holds for it. I think they're just gauging the marketplace as we speak with, with Apple TV and all their devices going on. And I think if they really put their mind and attention to it, could really come out on top above YouTube, above Google, above Amazon Prime, and, and above anything else that anybody else could throw at it outside of possibly a Disney streaming service. So. Definitely, that's something to look forward to indeed if Apple does decide to finally jump full board into that marketplace. Josh, I got to ask you, before we head on out, it was announced this week that there is a very real possibility that Quentin Tarantino may get himself involved into the Star Trek universe, possibly writing and directing and could be even an R-rated epic in this continuing franchise. So I ask you, Josh, your thoughts on Quentin Tarantino 
dabbling with the Star Trek universe. I'm curious what this means. Like, what is what does a rated R Star Trek film look like? Because Quentin Tarantino doesn't he doesn't make anything that's not hyper violent or uh, you know full of vulgarity or something like that. So, what does an R rated movie for the Star Trek universe look like? And is it something that people want to see? If the violence serves a purpose and it, it's it exists for a reason and it's not over the top like Kill Bill style, then Maybe it could work. Maybe that he could give us a very dark, very gritty Star Trek movie. But I, I look at it the same way, like Guy Ritchie doing big budget films. Like, it, you know, King Arthur, I liked it, but it didn't work for most people. Yeah, he, he tried to take witty dialogue, quick cut scenes, like his style of filmmaking and putting it into a big budget film. And so that's kind of what I'm seeing Quentin Tarantino doing. He's trying to take his style of filmmaking and putting it into something that's meant for a very specific audience that he has never worked with before. Well, definitely it is something that is very intriguing. He has indicated with public statements in the past that of the two, Star Trek or Star Wars, he would be more apt to be involved with the Star Trek universe if asked. So obviously Paramount, seeing the numbers over the course of time, not being where they wanted to be, with Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness, and Star Trek Contact, that maybe they want to go ahead and go into a different realm. Whether the long-rumored Chris Hemsworth coming back as Kirk's father type scenario, that one that was actually supposed to be going into production a couple years ago from what I was understood at Comic-Con, that one, I don't know if that's ever going to get off the ground, but if Quentin Tarantino does apply his resources and his talent to something of this nature, that could be very intriguing indeed. I know the new Star Trek Discovery series did make some headway and some controversy by using expletives in its series for the first time in the Star Trek series. So as far as the beloved F word, that seemed to get people either for it or against it. So I'm interested to see where Quentin Tarantino can take the Star Trek universe. Even though I did not like the last Star Trek very much, I still enjoy the series as a whole. And I definitely do like the current roster of characters that portray Kirk and Spock and Dr. McCoy and what have you. I still enjoy them very much, and I still think there's a lot of life for them to go on adventure after adventure within the Star Trek universe. I'm hopeful that they'll go ahead and make the right move. And if Quentin Tarantino is going to be that individual to lead them into another grittier, more edgy realm of the Star Trek universe, then it's definitely something that might pique my interest and might pique others as well. Same thing with Star Wars, a chance for an older generation to bond with a younger generation by going, taking their kids to see the franchises they were into when they were kids. And, you know, with an R rated movie, you just got to think of how that's going to affect, affect audiences and box office numbers and stuff. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure it, it sounds like a, a cool idea, but is it worth it? Does it serve a purpose? You know, obviously it worked for Logan. A lot of fans like that, but that's the nature of the source material but there's nothing in Star Trek's history that makes it super bloody or vulgar or anything like that. I agree with you as well that it's definitely something that is very, very sketchy. I think it'll gain a younger audience, 
but whether or not it retains the old fans as well, that's going to be a hard sell. So definitely we'll have to wait and see if this comes to fruition and see if Quentin Tarantino can take the Star Trek universe to boldly go where no Star Trek universe has gone before. What are your thoughts on Quentin Tarantino directing, helming, writing, and being involved with the Star Trek universe? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. So Josh, it's been another great episode indeed. I want to thank Rob McCallum and also as well, Salvador Villa from Mario Party Wars for being on the show today. And if you get a chance, please, if you can share us some love by liking and subscribing to our show, leave us a review. We truly appreciate it. And if you can, the Discover Pods Awards at discoverpods.com. If you vote for us in the best society and culture podcast category by 1214, we are truly indebted to you and we truly thank you for that support. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And thanks for staying with us after the PCC Multiverse. We truly appreciate you listening to our show. And thank you so much for having the interest in, in listening to this bonus material, which we try to provide on virtually each and every episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos and PCC Multiverse, because we truly appreciate you listening to our show and oh my goodness, what bonus content indeed, because he is here, he is ready. He needed more space, more time, more allotment. He said, Gerald, I need this, I need this man. You, you just gotta whip into shape. You gotta set some time aside for me. I need more than my usual time slot. So I said, you know what, man, you're so special. I think I'll put it on the back end right here for you your own special little corner of the world of the pop culture cosmos just for everyone out there because it is fantasy football playoff preview time and there's no one better to break this down than my good friend from the fantasy football pater podcast which you can listen to every tuesday and saturday on apple podcasts soundcloud Libsyn. you can also listen to it on player.fm and overcast overcast.fm it's tyler baker Man, you you know you wanted the space. You got the space for this week. It's all you, my friend. What's going on, man? Uh, the playoffs are here. The fantasy football playoffs are here. And in the NFL, the playoff picture is starting to come into focus. And they are very connected. There are some teams this weekend that have a lot to play for. And uh, some of them are playing for their lives. And even the teams at the top, 
they don't take Sundays off. So uh, there's some really good matchups this weekend. And uh, for those that are still in it, for those that made it to the playoffs, this is where you, yeah, I'm talking to you, Gerald. This is where uh, you're probably stressing a little bit, probably a little bit too hard about who you're going to play, who you're going to bench. Uh, so I'm going to talk about some of that stuff this week, uh, what teams have good matchups, what teams don't. And uh, there's maybe even a couple guys on the waiver wire you might want to look at. Definitely going to be a great program indeed. A must listen for all you fantasy football owners out there. Plus, also as well, you got to check out his Tuesday and Saturday updates on the Fantasy Football Pater podcast, especially this Saturday coming up because that will be the last minute info that you need to help gear up for that Sunday playoff run. Let's start it off right now. Mm -hmm. My friend, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a great weekend in the NFL. For someone who is new to the fantasy football playoff format that is unsure whether they need to make some changes, maybe they have some injuries, or whether or not they should go status quo, what best advice, first off, would you give to brand new fantasy football owners to the playoff format? Well, if you're new to fantasy football, something that you've probably learned in your first season is that matchups matter. Uh, if you have you know some really good players, but they have a tough matchup, only the guys at the very top are matchup proof. And so you've learned this season, hey, take a look at the matchups. When you get into the playoffs, um, I tend to just play the starters, play your best guys. And if there are a couple of guys that are really close to each other, then look at the matchups. But it seems to be the tendency of new fantasy players to get to the playoffs because it's all on the line now if, if you lose, you're done. And they tend to overthink things a little bit too much, uh, try to get cute sometimes. Um, it's just about making the best, most informed decision that you can and if you have, like I asked, I, I had a guy ask me uh, on the Facebook group if he should bench LaShawn McCoy. I said, no, like you never bench LaShawn McCoy. You know, uh, he's he's one of the few guys that, that, that can get you a three touchdown game. Now he hasn't done it, but he has that potential in him. And there are just some guys that you're going to start. You know, you're going to start your studs. So, uh, and there are some teams with tough matchups. You've got Seattle looking at Jacksonville. Don't bench Russell Wilson. Um, even though that that Jacksonville defense is really, really good, uh, nothing happens on, in that Seattle offense if it doesn't go through Russell Wilson. And if you look at Russell Wilson's career in December, he plays really, really well. So I had another guy ask me if he should bench Russell Wilson. No, Russell Wilson got you there. He can still win it for you. Um, so to any new fantasy players out there, just just take a breath, take a breath, uh, play your best guys and uh, let the chips fall where they may. Well, I'll tell you what. I wished my opponent for this weekend in the fantasy football playoffs had benched Russell Wilson because that's who I'm going up against. So okay. I'm really on pins and needles this weekend. Sure. But sure. definitely a great place to go. And before I go ahead and finalize my lineups, mm -hmm. I'm going to head on over to the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast yeah. Facebook group and make sure that I present my lineup and say, hey, is this what I need to run with? I need your advice. I need everybody out there who is part of the group to share their thoughts if this is what I should go with because I have definitely throughout this season cannot thank everyone enough, especially you and who everyone else who runs and also is a part of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group because you've given me advice, of course, 
across the season that has been invaluable in my team making the playoffs and being a competitive team overall in the league. Mm -hmm. Hey man, there's some great guys that are, that are on that group. And I even have people like, like message me because they don't want to put it on the, on the Facebook group just in case their opponent is out there. So, uh, uh, I get a lot of that too. So, I, uh, uh, any, any questions that are asked, they do get answered. Now, if you get on Sunday morning and try to ask a question, I'm just not going to see it because I've, I've got other stuff to do than, uh, be on Facebook. Uh, but if, if you go on there, uh, anytime from now through Saturday, uh, post a question, it'll, it'll get answered and you'll most likely get a couple different perspectives on it, on, on your question. That interests me, though, that if somebody goes ahead and just like secretly DMs you and <laughs> they do it. that, it's like, like, what is that other person going to do? Oh, well, I'm going to prevent you from starting Tom Brady. Yeah, you sure, can't do sure. that. That's a no, sure. no. It's like, sure, sure. Well, that's especially true for uh, waiver pickups. I'll get a message like, what do you think about this guy? You know, like they don't want to put it out there. <laughs> well, that that's different. That's different. Starting lineups, yeah. you know, that's that's pretty much something they can't prevent but definitely yeah. i agree yeah. with you on waiver lineups indeed and you mentioned that there's a couple of waiver wire people mm -hmm. that are out there that may Even be right of now. interest yeah because due to injuries or whatnot maybe mm -hmm. something that people need to be concerned themselves or even a fantasy football defense or kicker that they may be interested in as well Sure. Um, in fact, I went out and uh, picked up uh, Buffalo's defense uh, to play um, over um, Philadelphia, actually. Yeah, just because I like the matchup. Um, so this week, it looks like uh, Joe Mixon is out. That's going to open up the door for Giovanni Bernard uh, to get some work. He got a lot of work last week. He did pretty well with it. And in Phoenix, uh, Adrian Peterson is going to be out. And at the same time, Kerr... Um, Kerwin Williams is coming back to practice, so it looks like he's a go for this week. Uh, also, Greg Olson and Zach Ertz, looks like they're going to go. Uh, Olson was practicing. Ertz got a partial practice. He's still technically in the concussion protocol, but the team is very optimistic that he's going to play. We're also going to get Rashard Matthews back this week. He's practicing, looks like he's a go. And probably the most interesting story is that Aaron Rodgers is practicing in pads. Now that is a very, very good sign for him coming back, not this week, but the next week at the earliest. Now this week, uh, Green Bay has the Browns. Uh, so there's no game in the NFL is, is decided before it happens. But if there was a, a game on the schedule that they felt comfortable that they were going to get a win, it's Cleveland. Then after that, Green Bay has the Vikings, the Panthers, and the Lions. So Green Bay has a really tough three-game stretch coming up, and if Aaron Rodgers is ready to go, they're going to need him so that they can win out. If they don't win out, I don't think they get a wild-card spot in the NFC because there are already two or three eight-team wins going into this weekend, uh, three teams with eight wins going into this weekend. Uh, so Green Bay is in a tough spot, but to see that Aaron Rodgers is practicing in pads, he might be out there in in on the waivers possibly in some leagues uh pick him up he could uh come back in uh in a play in week uh, uh 14 15. that's definitely something to think about indeed once again it's tyler baker of the fantasy football pater podcast you can catch his show every tuesday and saturday right before the playoffs are really going to kick into high gear so you want to check out his latest podcast 
They're available on Apple Podcasts, Libsyn, SoundCloud, Overcast, Player.fm, and definitely some great listening to there. And like I said, Apple Podcasts, the major source of podcasting out there where you can find our show as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, definitely some great thoughts so far. But you said you also wanted to talk some personnel changes and also some firings in the NFL that may make some headlines for fantasy football football owners, football teams as well. Yeah, well, in Cleveland, they fired their basically their general manager. He was the executive vice president of uh, football operations, I think was his title, but he was the uh, basically the general manager. Well, he was fired. Uh, and the owner, when he announced it, he announced that Hugh Jackson was going to coach the rest of this year and that he was also going to coach in 2018. So uh, that's a pretty big statement. I want to say... Oh, I had it pulled up here, but I want to say that Hugh Jackson's record as a head coach is like nine and 36 or something like that. It's, it's absolutely terrible. And Gerald, I wanted to ask you, cause you're a football fan. You've been watching it for quite a while. Can you think of a coach that has such a poor winning percentage on what was largely considered an underachieving team, considering all of the young talent that they have, how he still has a job? Well, I just think the A, he's probably very inexpensive to retain his services. Hmm. B, that they probably don't want to have to pay to retain his services while they pay another coach. Hmm. C, if they're going to be in the midst of a a long turnaround, you might as well keep him. Yeah, you might as well keep him as a coach. And D, he actually may may actually have some great qualities as a coach you might want to retain. And you know, a situation like Brett Brown with Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. For years, this process uh, that they have talked about with the uh-huh. drafting uh, yeah. year after year after year and waiting for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to come back from injury and just saying, hey, Brett Brown is the guy for us. He's a great coach. We know the record stinks. And year after year, 76ers were really at the bottom of the NBA for years. But look at them now. They're right in the midst of the playoff hunt. Brett Brown is leading them. All it took was some great health on that end by two of their major marquee players. So I can see something going ahead favorable for Cleveland down the road because, A, they will have a huge ton of cap space next summer if they want to go ahead on a free agent blitz. And, B, they have six extra draft picks in the April draft, which, if done right, and you have a general manager, general manager that knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. can really provide sure. Hugh Jackson with a quality team, a competitive team, real quickly, faster yeah. than anybody thinks. And also, dis- you'll be able to see then and gauge then if Hugh Jackson is the coach go- going forward for your Cleveland franchise. So I think it's a fair, sure. giving him a fair shot. Yeah, and very shortly after they announced the firing, they announced that they were hiring John Dorsey, who was the formal general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, and he managed to put a pretty good team together there. Uh, So with the abundance of draft picks, and you know, for Hugh Jackson's terrible record, the players love him. And evidently, the team loves him too. I'm I'm not anti-Hugh Jackson. I've always liked him as a coach, Uh, but the, the NFL is all about 
now <laughs> winning now what have you done for me lately and uh, i would expect uh, at least it isn't in new york in in new york that's for sure <laughs> yeah exactly uh so you're right this might just be a trust the process thing and uh they got a good gm in there uh they have i thought that cleveland was going to be a lot better this year than they have been um and that's something you can't blame on a general manager to be honest with you that's 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 coaching so uh maybe they need to clean some guys out of that locker room maybe i don't know but cleveland they're a better team only in the uh potential that sashi brown gave them with all of the draft picks and all of the cap room so i don't know we'll see cleveland unfortunately has been a dumpster fire for a while and looks like it's going to keep burning well, that's being the case uh, it, for fantasy football owners. That will mean going forward some great options if done correctly with some free agent signings and also as well for some draft picks that could materialize with some great numbers oh, for yeah. the 2018 season. Yeah, and, and there ahead. could and there could be some some rookies next year that you want to take a shot on. Uh, you know, with, with, with all those draft picks. Well, for fantasy this year, though, Josh Gordon is back. And he looked good enough last week that I think, I think if you have him, uh, you might want to start him this week. Because what else do they have? A whole bunch of firings just happened. Hugh Jackson has got this brand new toy. I, I got a feeling Josh Gordon gets the ball a lot. I couldn't agree with you more on that because he did get some a surprising amount of targets than what I thought he was going to do. So definitely that's uh, something to look forward to indeed. But there is more to this weekend in the NFL that you want to break down because there are some big matchups that are going to affect fantasy football team owners out there, sure. especially now because it is do or die. Usually it comes down to what? 14 playoff sometimes a 16 sometimes an 18 but usually a 14 playoff right now going forward usually it's a six team with uh two teams getting a first round bye. Oh, okay because i'm on a four yeah. team myself oh okay okay yeah i played in one of those last year and yeah you have to be good to make the playoffs <laughs> and then after that you have to keep winning uh that's the thing about the fantasy playoffs there are some fantasy playoff formats where uh, it'll each round of the playoffs will be two weeks and that makes it a little a little fairer I guess a little more even you get those two weeks to battle an opponent um, but those start early and usually end on week 17 so you don't see that a lot of times so for most fantasy leagues this is it do or die so if you have any questions definitely go to the Facebook group fantasy football Pater podcast group on Facebook that's the best way to ask a question about your specific lineup and your specific team uh, but looking at some of these matchups this weekend there are going to be some tough ones uh, a lot of fantasy stock has been put into the Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams and those two teams are going to be playing this week Weekend. And I'll tell you, they both have really good defenses. And I know a lot of fantasy players are hoping for a shootout. I, I don't think that's going to be the case uh, just from watching these teams. And there's some familiarity there because uh, uh, the Rams coach, Sean McVay, he coached in Washington for a while. And Washington played Philadelphia twice a year for uh, most of Sean McVay's career. So he's familiar with this team. Um, and 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 Philly is uh, used to that Sean McVay offense, so there's some familiar familiarity there. I think this is going to be uh, much more of a defensive game than some people are anticipating. Uh, another a great matchup: Seattle and Jacksonville, two really good defenses battling out. We talked about Russell Wilson a little bit earlier. 
Um, it's going to be difficult to try to uh, predict what Seattle's going to do because with that with that Jacksonville defense, there's not that many ways that you can beat them, and Seattle really doesn't have a running game. So uh, there's a lot of question marks for me as to how Russell Wilson gets it done. Uh, I think Jimmy Graham's probably the best bet on that offense this weekend. Uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I mean, that's like that's like the football game. Every tw tw twice a year, we get we get uh, uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and that's always a great game. Uh, this is in Pittsburgh. Baltimore actually is still alive in the playoff hunt, so they they if the playoffs were to uh, come today, they would be in. Uh, so Baltimore is is really fighting to hold on to that. Uh, so this is going to be a really good game. Uh, if, if there was a defense that I was going to pick up off of the waiver wire this week, cause I know I benched, uh, Philadelphia's defense, uh, just because, uh, the potential there, uh, the, the potential is there for a shootout. So I went with a safer defense and that was Buffalo. Uh, they've been playing pretty well lately. They're going against an Indianapolis team that tends to turn the ball over. Uh, so and and Buffalo is still very much in the hunt in the AFC for for a playoff spot. So um, that is a defense that if you want to go the waiver wire and pick one up, you could. I think Dallas's defense has a good shot, even though they're not a great defense. I think they have a good shot to generate some turno turnovers against uh, the Giants this weekend. Um, so there are some defenses out there. Maybe if you want to pick up, uh, and then there are a couple fantasy. Um, if you have stocks in certain teams, you're a little nervous this weekend. Um, Miami going up against new England. I don't, I don't want any pieces of that offense. I know, uh, uh, Kenyon Drake has really, um, put himself out there as the starter in Miami. Damon Williams may come back. Uh, but that is an offense that's just not doing a whole lot. And against new England, uh, you know, head, uh, playing good football in December. Uh, if I have Miami players, I'm a little bit nervous. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you real quick was mm -hmm. the quarterback is such an integral position to fantasy football owners out there, mm -hmm. just like in real life in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I know there's some names out there that can really make or break you as far as numbers are concerned. One name in particular that I was seeing on waiver wires is Josh McCown, who has proven really? to be a top 10 quarterback out there. Should people be interested in picking him up or utilizing him if they have him on a roster already as a number one option, or should they hold off and play better options at this point in time? Well, I don't think we could have sat here a year ago and say that in December, the Jets were going to Denver and were favored. <laughs> we, we would have been laughed out of the room. So that's just this NFL season. And if you look at, at Josh McCown, he's playing very good football and he's been doing it all year. Um, so if you did have a matchup, uh, sometime in your playoff run that you didn't like because you're really looking at just the next couple weeks and what the matchups are with your players to see if you can improve. Um, if you see some really bad matchups, get Josh McCown on your on your bench. And if nothing else, you take him away from somebody else that may be needing a quarterback at some point in the fantasy playoffs. So um, now this weekend against Denver, that Denver defense is not what it, what it's always been. It's, it's, it's really not that good of a defense now, at least that's how they're playing. Now um, <laughs> they were in the Super Bowl last year. And uh, so it's, it still is a good team with 
um, good veteran veteran experience. But right now, they're not playing good football, and uh, that's why the Jets are favored by one going into Denver, which is insane. But that but that just tells you how much that Denver defense has fallen off, and how good Josh McCown has that uh, Jets offense running. That's some great advice indeed. Once again, it's Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Check out his Facebook group, which you can become a part of, the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group. Join up. Check. You can ask about waiver wire pickups, lineup changes, and the whole nine yards, especially for those people out there who are on the brink of, of maybe even getting their first or many championships out there in fantasy football because we're right in the midst of a great fantasy football playoff season. Tyler, any last thoughts on on the way out, on on what you're thinking as far as a great weekend in the NFL? Well, there's going to be some great games, and I know a lot of fantasy players are sweating a little bit, and, uh, you know, it's just a time to make tough decisions. Be included! <laughs> Look, I, I I made one, and I am benching um, um, Philadelphia's defense. Even though I think it's going to be a defensive game, I'm benching them because I'm looking at that Buffalo matchup and I'm saying, you know what, I'm going to roll the dice there. And uh, it is just a defense. So what are they going to be a couple points to part? Uh, But every point matters. And so everybody's got tough decisions. I just benched Philadelphia's defense and picked up uh, Buffalo off the waiver wire. Even though I think it's going to be a a, a defensive game between them and the Rams, I'm still making the best decision that I can. I'm a lot more comfortable with Philadelphia's uh, with uh, Buffalo's defense in Philadelphia. So it's little, it's little choices like that, that you have to make. And it always helps to get another perspective. It always helps to ask someone else's opinion. Uh, you don't have to take my advice, but I'll give you advice and let you know why I'm giving you that, that advice. That is awesome advice indeed. And once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. You got to check it out every Tuesday and especially this Saturday on Apple Podcasts. Also as well, Libsyn, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, SoundCloud. And I'll tell you what, Tyler, it's been so great putting this little corner of the pop culture cosmos universe just for, for just for you. And I'll tell you what, it's been truly a pleasure having this extended version of yes. the fantasy football corner that we kind of call it and whatnot. So we truly appreciate you, you, you taking the time to talk with us and, and shooting the breeze and getting those teams that are out there that are gearing up for the fantasy football playoff run and giving them the advice they need. And We'll be back on the Monday edition of the mm-hmm. show talking about all the collateral damage. And I'll tell you what, you're either going to have me uh, very happy or <laughs> very sad. So we'll, uh, we'll have to wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, be sure to get on the uh, Facebook page and uh, post the lineup and we'll take a look at it. And I mean, it's do or die time. You know, it's it's right now. It's the playoffs are happening. So if you're still in it, Give yourself a pat on the back. Settle down. Make the best decisions that you can. Try not to overthink it, but uh, stressing about fantasy football is is part of the fun, I think. Definitely, indeed. And I wish everyone out there that's involved in the fantasy football playoffs that are out there in your league all the best of luck this weekend, especially mm-hmm. you, Tyler, my friend. I hope you knock them dead, and, and we'll so. see what we can do that you're giving such great advice and hopefully – that great advice can lead to wins this weekend for everybody who follows it out there. 
That's right. Best of luck to you. Indeed. Once again, it's Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. My friend, I'll tell you what, it's been a great, great segment indeed. And we wish everyone out there all the best this weekend in the NFL. From your friends right here at the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. And of course, the Pop Culture Cosmos. 